The following marketing information and discussion is provided for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as professional guidance or consultancy. You should find an agency for that. Comexis is a digital marketing agency, so feel free to hire us. But otherwise, just enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Buyer's Journey by Comexis, a discussion-based podcast on the ever-changing marketing landscape that affects how your customers and clients purchase, ultimately optimizing your marketing efforts. I'm Matthew McGordy, the social media content producer here at Comexis. I am Len Moore, the managing partner at Comexis. And I'm Josh Lyons, the digital marketing coordinator here at Comexis. So today we are talking about the purchase phase of the buyer's journey. And in that, we are going to be discussing what some people have been calling the retail apocalypse. So for those of you who are unaware of the buyer's journey or haven't listened to our past episodes, the purchase phase of the buyer's journey is when your potential client or customer is going to be purchasing your product or service. Very straightforward. There's a lot of things that go in that, um, you know, how a product looks, how your service is sort of handled in the sense of, say, it's an online service, what the portal looks like, how easy it is to sort of get through that. But we're not going to be really talking about that today. That's for another podcast episode. Um, Today we are talking about the retail apocalypse, or what some people are calling the retail apocalypse. And what spurred this was an article, uh, a little piece by Zachary Crockett on The Hustle, about Gap Inc. Uh, announcing that it was going to be splitting into two companies. So one, which will be informally dubbed NuCo, uh, is going to include Gap, Banana Republic, and the smaller chains Athleta Intermix. And the other one is just going to be Old Navy. And the reason for that is that Old Navy has been absolutely killing it. Um, they had $8 billion in sales last year, which compared to $9 billion for all of Gap Inc.'s other offerings combined. And Old Navy had also risen to the number two clothing brand in the U.S. Uh, and within a 48-hour span, nearly 500 retail stores closed, closures rather were announced by Gap. 230 stores uh, of Gap. Uh, Foot Locker had 165, Victoria's Secret 53, and JCPenney 27. Uh, Tesla also, interestingly enough, is going to be closing many of its locations in the U.S. to cut costs as well. So something something to keep in mind if you want to buy a Tesla electric car, I guess. Um, so why don't we just talk generally about the retail apocalypse? I know I know in general we we don't talk a ton about retail or, or we try not to focus on it too too heavily. Um, but I know you know we we've talked last week a little bit about sort of the Amazon effect and stuff like that. So so Lon, what are you, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, I I think it's you know obviously it's a problem. Um, you know, I think the Amazon effect. What a lot of people don't realize what's happening, kind of getting away from digital marketing, is the amount of people it's putting out of work. You know, there's a lot of people who rely on retail as their jobs. What they do. Um, so. It definitely is changing the way um, people are shopping. It's definitely changing the purchase stage. You know, where you get in your car, you go drive, and you go look at this stuff, and that's where your old school traditional advertising comes into play. But it's just, I think it's just a convenience factor. Even something like sneakers, you in a million years never think, you know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get the new LeBrons or whatever, you know, and you would never think in a million years I'm going to buy them online, but people do. You know, Nike has on their app, they actually have release days, which I think are Tuesdays, and people just buy the sneaks right there. Adidas does the same thing. So it's a pivoting landscape. But as we mentioned before, you know, uh, in talking to another gentleman at another agency, and I think I mentioned this on another podcast, where you're going to be seeing a lot of places turn into like showrooms. 
you're going to go look at sneakers and things like that. It's not necessarily mean you can buy them there, but you purchase them, and that's where you're going to see the rise of the same-day delivery. That stuff will be at your house when you're waiting there, or that stuff can be there the next day. Uh, it is a shifting environment, um, you know, and it is sad. It's funny because even a place where we are, for the first time in a long time, I was out the Deptford Mall, and I actually saw two or three locations close, which I've never seen that in the Deptford Mall. Wow. That's historically one of the ones that's bucking the trend. Uh, so it's everywhere, but it's definitely, um, you know, me being an 80s kid, old school, I worked in the malls. So, you know, it's kind of sad to, sad to watch, uh, but it's here, and we're not really going back. I don't really, I, I think there'll be, sure, a, a resurgence of nostalgia somewhere, but I agree with the president of another age who did say you're going to start seeing stuff move to like a showroom-type atmosphere for everything. Josh, what do you think? I mean, Len sort of hit it on, on the head there, but... It is interesting uh, when he brought up like how when you buy shoes and you tend to not want to buy it online. I mean, for myself personally, you buy if, clothes if I, online all the time, from what I've gathered. No, it's no. the complete opposite. Why are you getting so many Jersey emails, Josh? Then? <laughs> well, you know, that's that's for other reasons. But I think yeah. it, I think it's different when you're buying a jersey when it tends to be like a normal fit, that's whether fine. it's like a I'll jacket or a coat or a sweatshirt. But like if I'm buying like like a t-shirt or jeans or shoes, I sort of want to be there to try it on because then you got to go through the hassle of sending it back, waiting, reordering. So. I guess when when you talk about the retail apocalypse, like it's there, everything's changing. Where you know Amazon and other of these big companies are taking over the world in terms of how you're going to get your uh, your items. But it, there's still a piece of it that's not going anywhere. And you know, people, someone like Gap Inc. is finding a way to sort of restructure themselves, rebrand themselves, so they can continue to do what they used to do best. A couple you know, decade, decades ago. Yeah, absolutely. So one, one, um, one retailer trying to sort of buck the trend of having to, to close stores down and things like that uh, is Target. So we've talked about Target in the past about some of the things that they were doing um, in regards to, uh, you know, the, the, the rising convenience of being able to order something online and pick it up in store, right? Um, but they're going to be getting a, beginning a program called Target Plus, which is a third mar- party marketplace on their website. So it's basically like Amazon or like Walmart, if you've been following what Walmart's been doing um, alongside Google these last uh, couple years in competition with Amazon, um, in that sellers will be able to go on Target's website and apply to become sellers and then sell their product on there. There are a couple uh, different sort of problems with Target's in Target in comparison to Amazon and Walmart's, uh, specifically that Target is going to be having um, be making its third-party presence a lot more sort of curated um, and also because the program is going to be invite only at least at first um, and also they're reportedly not going to be um, helping pay for any of the fulfillment services so if you are on Amazon say you're selling something on Amazon Amazon will take care of all of the shipping costs for you as long as your thing is basically fulfilled through Amazon right Um, Target's not going to do that and from what it seems like it seems like Target's going to make you pay for it, which can be very difficult um, for a lot of smaller sellers to even be able to sell on that marketplace. So that's just one thing to keep in mind. Uh, In addition, uh, Amazon, Walmart, and more than likely Target uh, will also be um, criticized by third-party sellers for not giving them customer transparency data because Amazon and Walmart get to keep all of that for themselves instead of giving it to the seller. 
Um, so that's just one thing, another thing to, to keep in mind. Um, what do you guys think about this? It's, it's the natural, it's the natural progression outwards, you know, um, where Target, Walmart, Amazon, and I'm sure there'll be another player or two that's going to jump in and try to ha eBay. Don't forget eBay. eBay plays into this yeah. field as well. Um, so I think it's kind of steering people away from going to Google. Like, you know, I, I say all the time when I deal with e-commerce companies and they say, well, we have to start doing pay-per-click. And I say, well, okay, half, half of it. That's because over 50% of people now start their search for a product on Amazon, on Walmart or something like that. We're at 50%. So I guess the question is at what point do digital agencies and clients have to start considering, considering well, how do we optimize for target marketplace? How do we optimize for Walmart? I mean, Amazon, it's already beginning to grow. If you don't know, Amazon's the third largest advertiser in the country, staggering to think. So all those ad dollars, all those pay-per-click dollars historically that were in Google, you now have to start looking at the awareness, consideration, purchase stage within these, within these platforms. Um, so it's, it, it really is interesting. And them hiding the data, is, that's the same thing as Google. When you go look at analytics, it doesn't really tell you what keywords people are using organically. So they harvest that data so they can start using that for ad dollars. I understand what they're doing. Um, but it's just a progression outward. So I think it's funny because it was, I guess when you're only optimizing for Google, and search, it's a heck of a lot easier than to start thinking, all right, well, I got to start thinking about Amazon. I got to think about Target. Like, it's really opening up the platform, uh, you know, to having a lot more work. So, interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, when, when, when you mentioned optimizing for Amazon and things like that, I, I remember um, doing a couple searches on Amazon where I, I learned that it is, it is best to actually have a super long description with every single keyword you could possibly have. Oh, for Amazon. Amazon. That, that's okay. what I've seen and, and something that I read. Um, and that, again, big disclaimer on that one, folks. That could be wrong or I could be misremembering. Um, but when I think about it, I think of all the times I've, I've gone and looked for something on Amazon, and the first listing that comes up is one that has like 10,000, not 10,000, that's dramatic, but like tons of keywords in it for anything I possibly could have been looking for okay. in relation. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I definitely don't think you're you're optimizing Google that way. Certainly not, right? Not anymore. Um, no. Yeah. So just just something I I found interesting. So, any final comments, Josh? No, it's all good, Len. Nah, it's good. All right. Well, thank everybody for tuning in today's episode of the Buyer's Journey. Check us out on Comexus.com, YouTube, and anywhere you can get your podcasts. And please follow us at twi on Twitter rather at Buyer's underscore Journey. Thank you for listening. Bye.